You're listening to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. On today's episode, Matt talks with Carolyn Moore and Pierce Drake. It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Well, uh, welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast, and my name is Matt Reynolds. I serve as the president of Spirit and Truth, and today I'm really excited to have two wonderful friends with us um, that God has just kind of intersected our lives over the last few years in different ways, and I'm so excited to have them. Carolyn Moore and Pierce Drake, thank you for being here today. Oh, great privilege. Oh, so fun. So fun. And you all are the um, the hosts of the Art of Holiness podcast. If you haven't checked that out yet, uh, you should go and listen to that. I, it's one of the regular podcasts that I listen to, some incredible uh, guests that you have. Let me tell you just a little bit about Carolyn and Pierce for for folks, most of our community probably is familiar with you guys, but I want to just highlight a couple of things. Carolyn, you're the founding and lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Evans, Georgia. Um, author, a speaker, you know, I could go on and on. Champion of women in leadership, passionate about Christ-centered recovery, uh, passionate about people living in a supernatural way. Served as the president of the Wesleyan Covenant Association, helped pioneer the Global Methodist Church on and on. I, I can't give your whole bio or we won't have any time for anything else, but <laughs> so excited to have you. And Pierce, you're uh, currently serving as the pastor of community formation at the Woodlands Methodist Church. And previously we're um, pastoring in Tennessee, passionate about relational discipleship, intergenerational ministry. Uh, you and I have gotten to know each other through a pastor's group that we are a part of together. It's just been been really rich for me getting to know you in that way and um yeah it's thank you for both of you being here and thank you for what you're doing to lead the church i really admire you both tremendously that's the kindest ever listen yeah. it's a privilege you're one of those people who we don't even have to talk to each other before we say yes because we both know we're going <laughs> to like a conversation with matt is that right pierce 100 yes. Yeah. yes 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 so i just thought uh, the way this came about okay i you know, I've got to know you each a little bit. And I was listening to one of your podcasts I don't, a few weeks ago, a month ago, I don't know. I, and I just popped in my head, man, it would be really fun to interview those two. They're always interviewing other people. I would love to hear more about how, as a mother-in-law and son-in-law, they came together to do this uh, podcast, a little bit more their story. And then we'll just see where the conversation goes. I'd love to talk about what you're sensing the spirit doing in the church right now, and just a few things like that. But I wondered if we could just start. I mean, this is kind of a unique situation. You're both Methodist pastors, and you, you know, somehow you, you found each other through through uh, Pierce and Claire's marriage, right? And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, Carolyn was Methodist pastor, like one of the requirements that you gave Claire, she considered <laughs> husbands, or like, how did this all work out? <laughs> that's great and i think actually my daughter when one of her requirements was that whoever she married not be a pastor <laughs> that is exactly right pierce like yeah. she was she was thinking she was not going to marry a pastor because she'd been there and done that and didn't need to do it again um but then pierce um you know kind of well jesus just didn't seem to be interested i guess in that opinion because when pierce got called there she was. But um, but I also know this, that um, uh, that my daughter 
my daughter follows Jesus really well. And if Jesus calls them to it, she's, you know, that she gets it, that that's the life. And um, mm-hmm. so it's been a real, uh, a real gift to watch their, uh, to watch their marriage and their journey grow. They will it, actually, they are married 10 years today, right? Yeah. Yeah, today. Today. anniversary. And here's today. Listen. And you're recording a podcast with me. <laughs> Shows Chase, you I need, how to, much I need I... to talk to you about some things. Oh, no, he's over. got a big he's got a big <laughs> thing planned. So yeah. he's yeah. he's taking care of that one. But yeah, today, 10 years today. And yeah. uh what did we 10 years ago today, we were having a blast. We had that's a right. great time at that that's at awesome. that wedding. And um so that's how it happened. Yeah. Pierce, were you in ministry at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we met um, in college, Claire and I met in college and, uh, and then I had just come back to faith a few months before meeting her. And, uh, and so then was working in the local churches uh, in different roles, not pastoral roles necessarily. I didn't have a reverend in front of my name. And then uh, we dated on and off and God's grace kept us together, uh, not on Claire's behalf, but on mine. And, um, and then we got back together, funny enough, April 1st of my senior year of college. And then by that point, I'd already decided to move to London, England. So I went to London. We dated for a year um, uh, from that distance. And uh, just a, just a, I didn't want to miss us. You you got together on April Fool's Day. Is that right? We did. We okay. got back together on <laughs> April Fool's Day. Okay, um, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, and so, uh, yeah, so then I came back from the from London in 20, maybe 2012 and, uh, and then worked as a youth director and, and felt called to the pastorate, felt called to the um, kind of order of elder, but grew up in the Methodist church. And so did not want to be a part of the denomination from a pastoral standpoint. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad, I'm also a PK. So we're all kind of messed up. Both of us are PKs. <laughs> and, uh, and so long story short, yeah, we got married. I was a youth director, worship leader. And then um, a few years later, we moved to Nashville, was there for six and a half years. And it was there that I stepped into um, a local pastor role, licensed local pastor role. And then it's not until GMC uh, that I got ordained. So yeah, I so- love to What's that dynamic been like for you as a family, having kind of pastoral ministry coming from multiple directions there? Lots of history, you know, with your family, uh, Pierce, and then obviously Carolyn, mm-hmm. you're in ministry. And, you know, it's a, I'm thinking about my own dynamic. When I go to my in-laws, actually, my wife uh, did not grow up going to church. And so, you know, they, they are people of faith, but had church, you know, ministry life that's not been that's not a central right part of that station so what's that been like i mean have you had to like set boundaries on methodist conversations at the dinner table or just <laughs> how how's that been for y'all yes <laughs> yes I would, I'll, not, I'll, they're not they're not boundaries that are honored but we set them <laughs> yeah i think I'll, I'll take this one at first i think for me um, I think you have to hear this from me. Carolyn is not only my mother-in-law, she's a spiritual parent in my life. Mm-hmm. And so she, um, I mean, I remember the day I had the conversation with her going, Hey, I, I'm not asking you to just speak into my life as my mother-in-law. I'm asking you to speak into my life as a spiritual guide, parent, mentor, et cetera. And the way that I decide mentor over parent is mentor for me is someone that's 
going after one specific thing. I have a mentor in finance. I have a mentor in church planting. They're, they're helping me with a specific thing for a time frame. A spiritual mm-hmm. parent is like has access to all of me with mm-hmm. no end date in mind. And so I remember having that conversation. And then, you know, especially as the stuff that Carolyn took a, uh, a lot more leader, higher leadership roles in the Methodist movement globally. And, and, um, and so, you know, I'm just a curious person. I like to ask questions. And so I remember there was a season for me where I was like, some of those visits were actually hard going to their house in Augusta because I wanted to talk about all the things and Carolyn just wanted to be mom at the time. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we, I I think there was a small conversation, but we kind of hit a rhythm where, you know, we got to be at the beach uh, back in July as my dad got ordained in the GMC in Georgia and we all had a house together. And so in the house, we, you know, not counting my dad, but me, me and Carolyn, like we didn't talk Methodist stuff, but there was a night that like we got away, we walked on the beach for two hours and we talked about that kind of stuff. So, you know, now with her being grandma um, and stuff, it's like, yeah, when we're together, uh, yeah, as far as a family, we're family first. And then if Carolyn and I get to, you know, stay up late or go for a walk or whatever, that's where we'll dive into some of those other things. Carolyn, what's that been like uh, from from your point of view? And and what was it like having your daughter? You know, you've been so involved in, in all of this stuff. What's it been like? What was it like to see her then, you know, starting a life with someone who's going to be involved in that same world? Um. That's a great question. I I am hopelessly in love with my daughter. And mm. so if any decision she's made, I think it's the best decision possible. And I just, I just have a, I'm like, I just, every decision she's made, I think is, is spot on. I'm all about it. It never occurred to me that she should have done anything different. I, I just, I just love everything that they do. I, and I, I'm particularly supportive of, of her. I'm always a little probably protective over not sitting around talking about church stuff when, when she doesn't want to, you know, yeah. I'm a, probably a little protective of that, but mm-hmm. I, um, I would say that um, um, in, in general, my, my, my personal experience is this. I've been unreasonably graced by a son-in-law who is, um, he's a spiritual son, but he's also just a good buddy. We just, we're good mm-hmm. buddies. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we can talk as freely and openly as anybody I can talk to. And his parents are also just the most, the most beautiful people. I just love them. I love, uh, so when we go someplace together, his parents, us, Claire Marie and Pearson, and their child, it was just so good to me. And um, that doesn't happen all the time, but I'm awfully grateful that um, in our lives, we just don't have to, there's not a lot of politics in it. There's not a lot of ambition in it. There's not a lot of one up in each other. There's just a desire to see everybody flourish. And um, I'm, I'm, I am aware that that's an uncommon grace and I'm yeah. grateful for it. Uh-huh. You know what I what I hear when you're describing that, and at least the little bit that I've observed from a distance uh, with the two of you. The reason I I think 
that you've experienced that is because actually it's not the Methodist church. It's not ministry. That's at the center of this family. It's Jesus. Right. And yeah. Oh, yeah. you're, you're all walking towards Jesus together. And that creates a kind of uh, a bond and a togetherness that's not available apart from him. And so that's really beautiful to to hear that described. Well, I'll, I, you know, that's an interesting thing. We don't have the experience of having any, any one of us not be Methodist, so I don't know what that would be like exactly. That might be yeah. different. Mm-hmm. But because we are all Methodist and we're all really committed to Methodism. Yeah. It's just, again, an uncommon grace. We are yeah. all committed to, to Methodism. Pierce did his homework and he kind of explored a little bit as yeah. he and Claire Marie were first kind of making their decisions about life together and came to the conclusion that the Methodist church was the right choice for him. So even though he, even though my both of these as children of their parents were raised in the Methodist tradition. They they also made their own choice and made their own way. And so we're all here intentionally. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I'll, I'll say earlier today, someone was talking about, you know, when eventually Mosaic will no longer, will, will move into the global Methodist stream. And uh, someone from our church said, you know, we have, when that happens, we should probably have some kind of, you know, something that just allows people the chance to think, because, you know, there's some people in this church who have been United Methodist for generations and, or, or I think actually they said Methodist for generations. And, um, and, and my, my response was, well, actually I've been Methodist for generations, but I, I'm still Methodist. I don't, Uh we don't cease being Methodist. That's something I guess we all have to remind ourselves of. If you're in the Methodist stream, you're still in the Methodist stream. You're actually still trying to stay in the middle of that stream. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And it's 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 been a it's an uncommon grace that yeah, it's, it's these three that is these three households have made changes. They've been making changes in the same direction. So it sure makes it easier to be uh, on vacation together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So how did you how did you end up doing a podcast together? Then that's a that's an interesting phenomenon. How that how'd that play out? Um, Pierce would say he was forced. I would say that it was his idea. <laughs> it was my idea. Um, I will say that. I remember. <laughs> I remember it was. Um, it was driving to Thanksgiving. Um, at my, I feel like Thanksgiving, Christmas. Uh, this would have been now 20, 19, 19, 2019. and uh, and so we were driving. We were driving down. 75 in Georgia below Atlanta before Macon. Claire was asleep. Amy Joe was a newborn and she was asleep. And so I had the AirPods on in my, you know, listening as they slept. I was listening to podcast. And I think I was listening to Erwin McManus. And uh it just hit me. Carolyn has been um we would do this thing, especially it's not much our rhythm as it used to be, and probably that's because both of us are busier than we've ever been. Um, but I mean, we used to talk three, four times a week on the mm-hmm. ride home and talk about work and talk about mm-hmm. ministry and dreams, and all that kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. in that, I we're driving down, I'm listening to Erwin. She's been writing on under Art of Holiness, you know, for years as a blog. She was really early on in that blog space. And so I was just like, hey, people need to hear the conversations that I'm hearing, like what I'm hearing from her. Other people need to hear. Mm. And then, you know, New Room became a place for us that I felt like every year I started going because Carolyn invited me in 2015. And so I go 
And it was Carolyn going, hey, you need to meet this person. You need to meet this person. Let me let me introduce you to this person. You know, it's just like always introducing me to her friends. And they were incredible friends. You know, I look back now and it's like, Kevin Watson is one of my dear friends. Yeah. And it's because of Carolyn, you know. It, it, basically, Pierce stole all my friends. So well, <laughs> not bitter. Just wanting to make sure the story's accurate. And so, so, I, so I just remember, I remember, I think it was over a text message. I don't know if I called. Anyway, but I remember being on the drive and going, reaching out to Carolyn one way or another going, Hey, you need to do a podcast and I'll set it up. I will record it for you. I'll do all the back end stuff, but, but people need to hear your voice in this Avenue and, uh, and talk to your friends or even just give leader. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like, but you need to be on the mic. You need to be talking. And she was like, yeah, that sounds great. I'll do it. If you do it with me. And I was like, yeah, I'll record it. I'll do all the, do all that kind of stuff. And she was like, no, I want you like in the conversation. And I was like, well, I don't know about that. And, uh, and she, as I don't know if you ever met Carolyn, you know, she's not strong willed at all or passionate, you know, <laughs> I wish she could get some char- uh, charisma in her life. And, uh, and so, but on that day, unlike her normal self, she kind of dug her feet in the ground and said, I'm not doing this unless you do it with me. And so, you know, we, you know, a few months later, we bought a few mics tried to figure it out and, and started recording, you know, with, I think the first two episodes was Cheryl Bridges, Johns and Dr. Petey Bellini at United. And yeah. uh, we had to re-record, like we would record a whole episode and then I'd go into editing and realize something was completely wrong. And we have to call the guests yeah. back and be like, Hey, we have to redo this. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. and so what's really been interesting has been, I mean, my goodness, the notebook that I have for the art of holiness and the things I've learned, you know, like I'm sitting among giants when I, when I'm on this podcast. And, um, and so I'm so, it's such a grace in my life. And I can say that even in my time of ministry, a few years ago, questioning my call, question, am I still going to be in this? It was relationships through the art of holiness that I reached out to, to go, Hey, what do you like? Let's talk, you know? And so it has been the biggest grace in my life. I feel like, um, and I don't say this as a humble brag or trying to get, I don't feel like I contribute a lot, but I benefit tremendously um, Mm -hmm. from this and the relationships and the lessons and and learning. So anyway, yeah, that's how it got started. And, uh, And we've done a few different seasons where we'll record like 12 episodes, put them out and then take a break. And we've always said, we're not gonna do this unless it's fun for both of us. And, uh, and so, you know, we've had a few seasons where we're like, I don't know if this is fun. Do we need to read, like, let's take a break. Let's, let's check. And then I don't know, about six months ago, we said, Hey, we're going to, we've always done 12 episodes, taken three months off, done 12 episodes. And then we're like, we're going to go weekly for at least a year and really pour into this in a different way. We got a producer, got some help. And, uh, and so it, it is it feels afresh. It feels like it's new again. And uh, at least for me and, and really enjoying it. So that's how it got started, how it's gone on and what we've been doing. Carolyn, what's a, what's a couple of highlights for you? And then I have a couple of ministry and church kind of questions for you, but wrapping up this stuff on the podcast, what, is there a couple of conversations that stick out in your mind? I mean, you've had some incredible folks on over, over the seasons that you've done this. Yeah. I'm uh, what's so embarrassing is I can't come up with names at this moment of people we've interviewed, but I, I'll tell you one of the things that's been most ex- exciting or most gratifying for me is uh, somebody I know 
I bring him on the podcast. Pierce doesn't know them at all. And we have a conversation and we get done with the conversation. They get off and we look at each other and go, dang, that was awesome. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. And we just bubble with all that we learn. I mean, I I think Has, about. Hashtag, hashtag Paul Lawler. Right. Paul that was Lawler a, that was, was a great, great one. Uh, Sandra Richter yeah. was such yes. a great one. Um, and there was that, there was, uh, I am. I'll come up with his name in a minute. But somebody we really loved, and and and, and Pierce hadn't heard of him at all, and and uh, um, but he wrote a book, and we we got on there. He just killed it. He just did such a great job, and it's just, I think so. It's been a reminder to me because I get an hour every week. In fact, I'm still doing ministry reviews, and so this just finished a ministry review, and I. I um and and they was asking about the, the review was asking about continuing education and I said yeah I spend an hour in a classroom every week it's called the art mm. of holiness uh-huh. and I and I read a book almost every week to get ready for it um and I learn so much it's just it's so gratifying to 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 dig into somebody's something that they are really passionate about and uh-huh. to hear them speak so intelligently about it. And to realize, I mean, the world is full of people like this. Yeah. Um, we 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 downplay the um, the academic rigor, the doctrinal integrity in the Methodist stream, but it's there. It's yeah. there at a really high level. And uh, these are just humble people doing their stuff at their desk, wherever they are. And it's, it's just so good. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of leads into my next question. You, you know, you, you all are in the trenches yourselves doing incredible ministry and talking with lots of other church leaders and ministry leaders. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of times in the uh, church media news and world the problems get all the pub but i wanted to ask you what are you really hopeful about in the church right now as you talk to others as you experience ministry yourselves as you're interviewing folks what are you most excited about most hopeful about that you see the lord doing right now i am most excited about the vision of spirit-filled methodism Hmm. That's that one little phrase right there, spirit-filled Methodism, not just as a concept, but as a as a real potential. As a could could we get a critical mass of people who are because here's the thing in my travels, which are not extensive, but I you know I get out there and so do you you get around for sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I meet only hungry people. Yeah, I'm. I I just meet so many hungry people, and there was <laughs> the sweetest thing. Um, you know, Bishop Scott Jones, his wife Mary Lou, she was she was at our uh, at a at an event that I was at not too long ago, and um, I had the opportunity to to teach folks about prophetic prayer and and um, and healing prayer, and um, I had them pair up with each other. And at some point in there, I just, I could hear her walking down the aisle with somebody saying, well, you know, I haven't had a lot of experience with this either, but let's just learn together. And I was, I, I loved, I loved, loved, loved that Mary Lou Jones 
was comfortable walking down the aisle with a total stranger, get into a place where she could sit and share with them and say, you know what, let's just learn how to do this together. Yeah. And that's what gets me so excited. I think if we can let go of all the politics mm-hmm. and just be sort of in a place where y'all, we don't really know what spirit-filled Methodism can be, yeah. but let's just learn together. Let's just yeah. figure it out together. Oh, how great that would be. That mm-hmm. gets me excited. And because I see hunger mm-hmm. and openness, I believe it can happen. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking for that critical mass. Amen. Yeah. Well, I think your your answer to that question is why uh, I think we've gotten along so well from the beginning. Because I, man, that just makes my heart sing everything you just yeah. said. So uh, love <laughs> that. Good. Pierce, Pierce what that. about you? Let's do yeah. that, Matt. Let's do Let's that. Let's do it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Pierce, what yeah. about you? Yeah, I think for me, what I'm super excited about right now in the church especially in this new Methodism, this global Methodism movement um, was birthed in this podcast. It was birthed in a conversation with Cheryl Bridges Johns, you know, early on. And, uh, you know, as an academic as she is, a teacher, and she works with seminary students and college students, I had the question of, of, hey, what do you see the, what do you see young people struggling with and how are they feeling that hole? And but what do they really need to fill it with? Right. And you're hungry, but you really, you ate a snicker, but you really need, you know, a good steak or whatever. And, and, and she, I mean, without stopping, without even me finishing the question, she was like, they, um, um, they have a deep hunger in their hole for spiritual parenting. They are filling it with YouTube videos and uh, pseudo mentors. And that, but they, but they desperately need spiritual moms and dads. Mm. And so, where millennials came into the picture, you know, 1980, 81 to 94, 95, depending on, I think that's Barna's language. Um, they kind of came in, they came into ministry. You got to think those, those are millennials that are 43 years old now, you know, so millennials are no longer obviously the young crowd in the group. And so, so there was a lot of, um, a lot of seeker driven ministry happening when they came into the church. That's kind of what they came under. And, and so a lot of quote unquote, let me influence, let me, you know, put a mask on and, and figure those things out where Gen Z behind them is like, all I want is authentic. All yeah. I want is, is Jesus. I don't care about the lights. I don't, they can come or go on all that stuff. I want him and his presence. That's what I want. I want his love. I want to see him as John Wimber says, do the stuff, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so, so that's where they have been. And then, you know, there's always been the elephant in the room among generations in the church. But I think, you know, we had that conversation with Cheryl back in January, February of 2020, before COVID hit. COVID hits, and the older generation who won't be with us in the next 25 years just saw the church go through, like, being demolished. They saw deconstruction happen. They saw... um, People fall away from kind of just living below the surface of Christianity, not having a deep faith. They saw, um, and then they saw specifically in our world, the Methodist movement splitting and splintering. And I think that season woke up our elders to go, it's not just going to happen. We have to pour into this next generation. We have to be spiritual mentors and parents. We have to get over the awkward thing of, 
knowing what the latest whatever is, as generations struggle with in conversation. There is, and it needs to be acknowledged, a generational difference in language. There's a difference in, right? Like the, the, the church my grandparents came out of is not the every method of today, even within the traditional model United mm -hmm. uh, Global Methodist Church, is not what it was 65, 70 years ago. And so I think where Gen Z woke up or came into this going, I only want authentic. I only, I want people to pour into me, not really knowing how to navigate that in immaturity. And then COVID, the Methodist split, all that woke up the elders to go, we have to give this away. And you can't give it away from a lectern. You have to give it away yeah. over a table. That's how you give it away. Over coffee, over tables, over walks. And so talk about hunger. That's where I'm seeing it. That's where I'm excited. Um, you know, that's the, that's the moment that I'm looking at our church and our uh, people I talk to going, yeah, there's a deep hunger there. And I think if we can bridge that gap, get as, as we talk about the dreams and visions that we hear in, in Paul quote or Peter quote in Acts two, if that can start happening, my goodness, we will mm -hmm. step into what God's calling us to better than we've ever stepped into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. I think, I mean, the stuff that I'm seeing is I work with different churches around the country and same, same things that you guys are describing. There's much hunger out there right now, spiritual yep. hunger. Yep. And we're in a ripe season. I mean, I'm, you know, there's all this stuff. People talk negatively with that about all the shifting that's happened, division and COVID and all the craziness. I actually am super encouraged because I think all this shifting has brought us into a season for some real exciting transformational ministry. And, um, and I think it's all along the lines of the things that you just mentioned. I just did a, t a talk two weeks ago at a big church in Texas. And I talked about three essential shifts in North American Christianity. And that was right in line with everything you guys have said. The first one was from programs to presence-based ministry. It's all about the spirit. The second one was about from, um, you know, discipleship assembly lines and thinking we can just crank people through classes to spiritual parenting. And the third one was from attracting consumers to mobilizing missionaries about how we actually see the way in which we reach people in the church. Mm -hmm. And all of that stuff comes out of this. It's possible because of this shaking with kind of dismantled, honestly, some of the idols that we built yeah. for ourselves in the church. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. well, to me, is... that's that's actually exciting. Yeah, so what does Jesus say, right? In that famous passage where he's like, the harvest is plentiful. Two verses earlier, he says, you say the harvest isn't for months ahead. Yeah. But I say <laughs> the harvest is plentiful right now. Right. So he's, yeah. he's, he's looking at stalks that don't have anything on it. They're months away from being picked. But I almost imagine he looks at the stalks and goes, hey, you said that's got four months till it's ready. And then he turns and looks at the town and goes, but the harvest is plentiful. The people right. are there. And yes. so culturally speaking, does it look like a plentiful time to harvest the church? No, it looks dark and everything looks in question and there's no truth and there's no nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but I just think Jesus is speaking a different word. Amen. And what's the the issue there, right? The harvest is plentiful. It's the work. The workers are few. The, the issue right. has never, never been with the harvest. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, the there's enough. There's enough pagans to last until <laughs> yeah, Jesus comes back again. Plenty of yeah. <laughs> there's enough <laughs> church. There, there's enough church people. <laughs> Pagan church people. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
what would you say to to folks that are listening to this conversation and their their heart resonates with those things that we're talking about? You know, Carolyn, you were talking about this idea of spirit filled Methodism. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people? How how do they practically? They've got the hunger. Um, this is the question I get a lot. Uh, how, what do I do? What do I do with this? How do I get started? Like what, what would you, you have a couple of suggestions you would say to people, you're hungry, you long to see God move in your life and in your church in these kinds of ways. What do I do? How do I get started? Mm-hmm. Um, I have three thoughts. The first one is stop waiting for somebody else to do it first. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. waiting for somebody else to do it first. Everybody. And we're not all natural born leaders. And we think, well, if somebody will show me how, you know, I'm a sheep without a shepherd, I need a shepherd. Stop waiting. Just stop waiting. Because I, I really don't even, this, this is the kind of thing that doesn't need a whole program behind it. You just have to be willing to lay hands on somebody. Uh, yeah. The second yeah. thing I would say is the only way to do it is to do it. There's, there's really, I haven't discovered another way to to, to better understand, not to master, but to better understand uh, the gifts God has placed in my life where supernatural ministry are concerned or, or how to, uh, how to manifest them in my life other than just doing it. And um, so, so you just do it. And if you, um, if, if you want to read books along the way, help yourself, but it's, it's really not, brain surgery you lay hands on somebody and you stay a prayer and then you see what happens (laughs) and you do that a lot and it's the more you do it the more likely you are to figure out what works and what doesn't work when it comes through you one person's gift is more deliverance ministry and another person's gift is more inner healing and another person's gift is prophecy and you just don't know until you till you till you do it um, and maybe if I were to add a fourth thing, it would be stop worrying about what it looks like. Yeah. Um, if the, the the thought that if may, if I do this, they're going to think I'm crazy. Well, friend, we are in a post-Christian America. They already think you're crazy. So <laughs> right. you might as well get over that piece and just go ahead and do the thing you're going to do. Um, it's all experimentation. Even with Jesus, it was experimentation. I, I, my one of, one of my favorite... Um, uh, one of my favorite little, or, or I guess more recent uh, little stories that I've been thinking about a lot and learning from a lot. It's just a tiny little story from Mark chapter eight, when Jesus, um, I, I, they bring a guy to him who's blind and Jesus lays hands on him and he prays for him. And then he says, what do you see? And the guy says, well, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. And then Jesus lays hands on him again and he prays again. Yeah. Even Jesus did it twice. Um, Elijah laid on the little boy twice. And um, Paul, you know, uh, you know, Paul and Peter, you know, more than once, you see them doing kind of work in it, trying to figure it out while they're doing it. And I'm thinking about Peter with Tabitha. And um, so just, just, I think it's just, just kind of getting over the idea that you have to know how to do it before you do it. Um, Get over yourself. Mm get over the idea that somebody else is going to do it first and you're going to get to follow behind them kind of invisibly. Um, and, and maybe the biggest piece is get over the idea that Jesus might not use you. Cause what if he does? Amen. What if he does? That's awesome. Pierce, do you have 
any thoughts as your uh, people, this hunger, this longing to see God move in their life? What, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, they can't have Carolyn as a mother-in-law, uh, <laughs> but uh, they can listen. You know, I, th I think the, I think the beautiful thing, everything that Carolyn just said, I think the beautiful thing of Wesley, right, in his discipleship, it was both learning and living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in that, I do see a high value of, of reading um, and listening and curating who you're listening to um, and learning from. So mm -hmm. because that then gives the boundaries, right? Like we know the word, the voice of the Lord when, when he speaks to us based upon his character and nature and voice in scripture, like that becomes the boundary to go, okay, I think I heard this, but does it line up with how I see God speaking and moving and mm -hmm. acting and having his being in scripture? Okay. So then I obey and then I go. Um, and so, you know, time and time again, it is, it is the small still voice. And mm -hmm. so I would say, as you go out and you try, um, and you go, you will be responding first and foremost to the small, still voice. Mm -hmm. You won't, mm -hmm. you know, I can think about, I, I mean, one of the times I remember, you know, stepping out for the first time was I was in Columbus. I was just moved back from London. I hadn't even married Claire yet. I was at this coffee shop. Carolyn will tell you, I have a love of coffee, all the things. And I have like staff meeting at 9 a.m. And so I walk out. It takes me 13 minutes to get from the coffee shop to the church. I walk out at a quarter till to go get my car. Walk down the block, and uh, there's this guy, and he looks not well off. I don't know if he's homeless or what, but he doesn't look well. And as I pass by him, I just kind of sense the Lord go, hey, I'm asking, will you pray for him? And I remember it was just this, like, random thought, and I was like, that was just me. And I kept walking, and the voice got a little Again, small, but more direct. Hey, I'm asking you to go pray for him. And I just said, I got to get to staff meeting. Like, that's what you called me to, a staff meeting, this church. Mm -hmm. I got to honor them. So I get in the car. I'm like, And again, he goes, I'm asking. And now it's like, now the small, still voice is gone. All of my attention's on the voice of God. And he's like, I am asking you to pray for, for my son over here. And I was like, all right, well, then you've got to handle staff meeting because I don't want to get in trouble. So I put the car back in park. I get out. I walk over to the guy. I calm down. And I said, Hey man, I said, my name is Pierce. I said, this is going to sound really weird. I said, is there, uh, I believe in Jesus. And I just felt like he asked me to pray for you. Is there anything specific I can pray for you? And he just kind of tells me in his own language to buzz off. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I've heard this pretty clearly. I go back in the coffee shop. I was like, well, I'm gonna get a water. Would you like something? doesn't anything. So I get an extra coffee. I come back out, offer him the coffee. He takes it and then just drops it and lets it spill all over the ground. And I hear God go, I'm asking you to pray for him. And so I said, I said, okay, last time I don't want, is there anything I can pray for you about? I really just sense God's asking me to pray for you. And I'm probably butchering this in seven different ways, you know, of what you teach on the weekends, uh, Matt. But so he, gets out of his, gets out of the, the bench he's sitting on and begins to just cuss me out as I walk down the street. And I was like, okay, I'm out. I'm out. So I get in the car and I've wasted in my mind, 15 minutes. 
And uh, now I'm mad at God and I'm going, what the heck? Now I'm going to be late to staff meeting. I, that that did not work. Whatever you wanted me to do in that moment, I never prayed for him. Did it exactly. And more clear than any voice of, hey, we well, could pray for him. I just felt the Holy Spirit say it wasn't about him. I wanted to see if you'd be obedient. Mm-hmm. And Bill Johnson has a great line on this. It's not our job to handle the outcome. Absolutely. It is our responsibility to be obedient, to pray for people, to ask for healing, to yeah. believe in the promises of God for people. And um, and so it's not about you. Yeah. It's about and it's and even more so than about the person. It is about being obedient to the father's voice. And so, yeah, all the things Carolyn said, it's going to look funny. It's going to look weird. You're going to get it right. You're going to get it wrong. All the things. But at the end of the day, Carolyn's famous words, no one dies if you try to pray for him. <laughs> exactly right. And yeah. just for the record, Pierce, you did not, you didn't violate all the stuff that we talked about on the screen. Because <laughs> the bottom line is what you're saying. Li- learn to listen for the voice of the yep. spirit. Yep. Do what yeah. he says. That's it. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, well, I know we have to wrap up in just a moment. This has been wonderful. I do have one last question I wanted to just uh, end with, if that's all right. And, uh, just give me your kind of your, your one thought on this. Uh, one of the things I've loved about what you have modeled and what you discussed in your podcast is this emphasis on intergenerational ministry and just really doing kingdom work together and not being kind of split up just based on ages and stages of life, which is a tendency that we have in the church. I would love to know, as you have worked together more and more and just been in relationship as family, what is... What is one thing that you have learned from the other person uh, that has that has shaped your life with Christ in your ministry? Hmm. And that's probably hard to just uh, to, to one thing, but I'd love to hear, you know, one per- Carolyn, something that you learned from Pierce as a young yeah. young pastor. You know, he's in his thirties. You're a couple right. years older than that. What's yeah. something you've learned from him and Pierce, vice versa? Yeah, yeah. The the one that comes to mind immediately. It's, I I so respect and really in a good way envy Pierce's boldness. Mm. Um, s- something that something that he has as a as an advantage is that he has parents who have ra- who raised him up in a ministry setting. Um, he's you know taught him how to walk the walk, and so he's he's not fighting against you know any generation in front of him. And and that's bred into him a confidence um, that's really enviable. Um, if he if he wants to know something from somebody, it doesn't matter who they are, whether he knows them or not, or how far up the totem pole they go, he doesn't hesitate to pick up the phone and call. And um, I wish I had in at, at his age been more assertive in that way um, and gone after it harder. I think he's he's doing himself a lot of favors. And he puts a lot of counselors around him, a lot of a lot of wise voices around him. He's creative in uh, in the way he he um, kind of builds his support network. But all of that is kind of sits rests on that foundation of holy boldness. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't claim any of that. I think I've just been given it. You know. Uh, it's, it's easier to be caught than taught. Um, yeah, man, the list is long and I don't just say that the list is, I mean, if you know, Carolyn, the list is long. And so I, you know, 
have the distinct honor of getting really close. Um, and, uh, and when, and when Claire doesn't want to wrestle, she tries to wrestle me. And so, um, <laughs> you know, uh, anyway, um, no, I think the one that, the one that came up first, um, I'll give two things and I, I know I'm the one that's got the time clock on us. Um, the first is a radical obedience to Jesus. Just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what's the right uh, uh, thing to do in the sense of logic. Uh, it is, it is what's Jesus said, you know, and you know, where Carolyn has stayed at mosaic, obviously is the planting pastor and founding pastor. Um, that's not been our story. We haven't planted a church and have no plans to plant a church, but we have moved a few times and it has been that wisdom of, you know, uh, radical obedience. Um, and so she has put that in Claire, um, and her and Steve, both, uh, her husband, um, have put that in Claire. I mean, when both moves for us, when we realized that they weren't more, they were more than just a, Hey, someone's interested in us, but maybe God's doing something. Carol and Steve are our first phone call. Um, to hear from, to get counsel, to get, and, and it's just like, well, what is God saying? That's the, that's the counsel. I mean, I don't even need to call really anymore. The counsel is what's God telling you? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll keep calling. Um, and then secondly, you know, I have just as a preacher who I love preaching, I love the art of preaching. I love communicating, um, et cetera. I don't know. I mean, Carolyn is at the top of my list of preachers of communicators of the gospel. And there is, we know really great orders that tell deep stuff and then you get a lot of logic. And then you get preachers who are really good at, um, at, at, at understanding the atmosphere of the room and taking it somewhere and making people feel good. And Carolyn does this better than anybody I've ever met of bringing a depth to the, to the talk a depth and richness of flavor to, to the lesson she's brought because she's heard God speak it to her. But then there's a way that she crafts it to the room that honors the room, but takes the room somewhere. And it's just where she's taken them is to the feet of Jesus. And then her holy abandonment at the end of every talk of just asking the Holy spirit to come. And so as a preacher, I don't want to build a platform about my ability to tell a joke or a story. I want to offer the richness of, of looking into the eyes of Jesus and take people to his feet. And I think she does it better than anybody. And so as a preacher who loves preaching, um, being able to watch the whole process has been a gift and hope, um, I, not hopefully, but um, I've become a better preacher because of that. Amen. That's Amen. Man, Matt, I love your questions. <laughs> uh, well, it's just fun to get, you know, I, I listen to you all ask other people questions, and I'm just so grateful for this opportunity you gave me to ask you a few. And, we love you, uh, buddy. Yeah, we You do. know, you you two are two of my favorite people in the world, and I'm grateful that God allowed us to to meet. Yeah. And I've learned so much even from both of you. Meet, even if you didn't know who I was. We'll save that story for another time. <laughs> but meet, even if you didn't even know who I was. No, that's a day long gone gone by, Pierce. That's, that's <laughs> that way is, in the past. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, love you so both. thank you again for being here. Um, if you if you haven't done so before, you got to get on, listen to the Art of Holiness podcast. Uh, if you listen to Spirit and Truth, if you're a part of our Spirit and Truth family, 
just trust me if if for some if you live under a rock and you don't know Pierce and Carolyn, uh, these are our people. These are people who are passionate for the things of God, who are serious about being empowered by the Spirit, rooted in the truth, and mobilized for the mission. And uh, so you got to check out their podcast and um, continue to learn from them just like I have uh, along the way. So guys, thank you so much. Uh, it's thank always you. a blessing to, to connect with you. And Love you, uh, excited for people yeah. to, to hear this conversation. So grateful. Thank you. Yes. That's been our episode for today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast and share this episode with a friend. Special thanks to Carolyn Moore and Pierce Drake for being guests on the podcast this week. And if you would like to support the mission and ministry of Spirit and Truth, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life slash give. There you'll find all of the information you need. We'll come back to you in the next conversation.